Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Vayehi. It's the last Parasha of the book of Bereshit. And uh, it starts with, uh, with Jacob. It begins with Jacob saying his farewell address to his sons. He realizes that he's ready to die. He's ready to depart this world, to go to, to his forefathers in heaven, to go to Hashem. And so he calls his sons and he reunites them. He reunites them so he can tell them what's, uh, what's going to be at the end of days. And so uh, Rabbi Adin even Steinsvalk, Sihrono uh, Libraha, in his book, talks on Parasha, which I love it, and may his memory be a blessing. He gave us so much in his lifetime. It's interesting that this Parasha Vayehi, Vayehi means, and he lived. And in the same way as Hayesara, the Parasha of Sarah, our, our foremother, when she was going to pass away, the Parasha Hayesara means the life of Sarah. So we see two, two similarities in these two Parashas, when two luminaries are going from this world, uh, that their lives are not seen as they ended. It's, it, it, the connotation is that they live and that they continue to live with us. So Rabbi Steinsfeld uh, talks about something very interesting um, about the coming of days. And Jacob called his sons and said to them, gather yourselves together that I may tell you what will befall you in the end of days. And what happened next was very, very perplexing because Jacob was ready to tell them what was gonna be when Messiah comes, how it was gonna be in the world to come. And suddenly, a curtain came over him, the Shehinah departed, and he could not tell them what the end of days was going to be like. And so Rashi comments on the subject uh, that when he says, gather yourselves together that I may tell you, he, he, re he wished to reveal to them the kids, the end of days. But at that moment, the Shehinah departed him. And we see that after all his words, here are still words of prophecy, like, he was still able to say prophetic things about the future. And, um, and he told each son what was going to be with them, how they should behave, gave them their mission, their purpose in life, and said many things about the future. And the prophets can say things about the future. We know that all the prophets were uh, telling the Jewish people to repent because there, w there was going to be the destruction of the temple. They could see it. But nevertheless, there's no prophets that can tell us how it's going to be when Mashiach comes, how it's really going to be uh, in Olam Abba, in the, in, the, in, the, in the world to come. We don't know. We have no idea. It's more when Hashem created the world and he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Actually, it was the Garden of Eden. It was not Eden. Eden is the world to come. They were just put in the preamble, in the garden. And that's as much as we can get. And, um, but really to know what's going to be, we have no idea. So he's going to explain to us why is this phenomenon, why is Hashem keeping this from us? Why can't we really know what's going to be? Uh, we just have little glimpses here and there, like for example, Shabbat is a little uh, degustation, a little tasting of what Mashiach times are going to be like. Like we have the feeling of peace and harmony and love and joy on Shabbat, and these are feelings that are going to be experienced in those days. But really, there, it's a little, it's a little tasting. It's not even what it really is. And so, 
So he says, uh, Rabbi Stensvalds, that in a, in a, in a Gadic comp compilation of the Torah, the Yalkut Shimoni and other Midrashim uh, say that the, the, the reason that uh, Yaakov could not tell them what was going to be at the end of the day is because he doubted that his sons were believers. And he says that he was concerned and he asked him, are you believers? Are you believers? And at that moment, the son said to Shema Israel, Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Ehad. And when the time of Mashiach came, he was concealed from Jacob. He was overcome with anxiety because he thought that he was not able to express to their sons that Hashem had taken away the, 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 the prophecy of what was going to be because the sons maybe were not worthy of that knowledge. But here we see that there's a different uh, twist to this, uh, to this way of looking at the situation. And we see that the concealment uh, and what emerges from the Midrash is that this concealment, the curtain that stands before, the, before Jacob is neither a result of sins nor a result of a defect on his sons or on himself that he was not able to see what was going to be. And this is a phenomenon that we all experience. We have no clue of the future. Like you have all these people talking about the future and every time the, the future evades us, we, we, it, it, Hashem makes fun of us. There's no way for us human beings to know what's going to be because, you know, everything can change too. Our actions can change the destiny. We can change the future. But this future that we're talking about is a, is, is a future that is meant to be. This is the ultimate purpose of creation. This is why we're all here, is to come to this place, to this place called the Olam Abba, the world to come, the end of days. And so there's a question that why can't Jacob reveal the, the kids to the sons? And so he comes to explain, Rabbi Steinsbaugh, that when a person describes things or situations that lie within the range of perception, he has words to, to be able to express certain concepts. So anything that is in the realm of our reality, we can explain. But things that are outside of our realm, out of our reality, um, we, there's no way we can explain them because we don't know them. And there's no words to be able to explain what we're trying to say. So for example, if you're trying to explain to a person how it feels to keep Shabbat, and the person has never experienced Shabbat, he has never had a beautiful Shabbat meal, he has never lit, or she has never lit Shabbat candles, or never been to a Shabbat meal, never experienced disconnecting from the world for 24 hours, never experienced the whole concept of Shabbat, then it's very hard to explain to a person in words what you feel on Shabbat, because these feelings this person has never experienced. So there's no way in the world that this person can grasp what Shabbat is, unless he really comes to experience it. So uh, Rabbi Steinsfeld says that when Jacob wanted to speak about the end of days, uh, <clears throat> this was the phenomenon that occurred which was beyond the, his, his, range, his range of explanation, like the audience could not grasp the concept of the end of days because it was something that we have never experienced. We have no idea what it is. We cannot even explain it. So in other words, there are some fundamental gulfs that are impossible to breach. There are things that you cannot breach because it's two complete different perceptions of life. Like if you talk to a, 
to a person in Russia about the bananas in Costa Rica, like you're talking to him in Chinese, like he has never tasted a banana. He doesn't even know what that means. Or you talk to them about an avocado. But if you talk to them about herring and gefilte fish and, and all this food, then you're talking their same language. So nothing can be said to get one's idea across. So we see that this is a very important concept in communication when we're trying to commun communicate with people, we're trying to share ideas and we're trying to make them see a point of view. If the person has no relation to what you're trying to say, you can say it in 70 language, you can stand on your head and try to get it to them, whatever, but if a person has no, no concept of that situation, of that reality, then there's no way this person can ever grasp what you're saying. So this point is part of the reason that the Shehinah departs when people begin to speak of the end of days. Yaakov sees all the way to the true kids, and he, 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 he's able to see that the Jewish people are going to get to Israel. And he sees that there, there's going to be a Mishkan in, the, in Shiloh. And he sees that there's going to be two temples. And he sees there's going to be destruction of the temples. And he sees and he knows that Mashiach is going to come. But further down, he can't express it. So, so he said, but even afterwards, after the end of the exile, when he tries to tell his sons about this, he discovers that it is a vision that cannot be communicated. And so he has a vision, but he cannot put it into words. And uh, not because he's not permitted to do so, but because any attempt to speak about it is irrelevant. It's not, people are not gonna connect to the subject. So there is a recurrent prophecy in, ta in the Tanakh that says that every man will sit under his grapevine or under his fig tree when Messiah comes. And that is meant to describe a condition of wealth and tranquility. And so, yet there are many people today that if you tell them, like, you know, at the end of days, once Mashiach comes, you're gonna be sitting under your fig tree or under your grape wine, they're gonna look at you and they're gonna say, I don't wanna sit under a tree. Like, that sounds boring. I prefer to go to the bar or to the discotheque or, or to the movies. Like, for me to go and sit under a tree doesn't mean tranquility. And, uh, and wealth. For me, wealth and tranquility means that I have money and that I can spend it and that I can have pleasures and that I can have fun. So, so he says, he says, Rabbi Steinberg, that this is, this is, that people today, if you would describe to them the future, they would look at you and they would roll their eyes and they would say, I, I, I don't want that for my, for my life. I, I, why would I lose this world? I have so much fun here. And so, so when we have to transcend these bounds, anything we say will be incomplete. People won't get it. So, you know, when people are insensitive to, to spiritual matters, to holiness, it's even harder. Imagine if people pray every day and they keep the alaha and they learn Torah and they're doing mitzvot and this is what their whole life is about. Okay, they can grasp a little bit the concept of, of spiritual tranquility and spiritual wealth. They can really connect to that. But even so, they cannot connect to the concept of sitting under a tree and that meaning that it's wealth and tranquility. So the ability to relate to the end of days is limited, not only by shortcomings of human nature, not because 
only because we're made in a certain way that really blocks that aspect of, of, of seeing more than we can see, but also by something more basic, which is limitations in the nature of reality. So reality allows us to relate only to the things that belong to the plane of being, experience, and action in which we exist. So you can have billions of people in this world and the reality of each person is completely different because it depends on their place, it depends on their state of mind, it depends on their customs, it depends on their way of life, it depends on so many things. So the reality for a rich person is not the same reality for a person that struggles every day to put food in their, in their table. I remember once there was the Rebbe of Kosh, Kosh, I think it was, that a very rich man came to him for a blessing and he was very proud because he was a very simple person. He was a very pious person and he only ate bread and butter. That's all he ate and drank water. That's all he ate. And the Rebbe admonished him and said, I'm sorry, you're a rich man. You cannot be eating this. You have to eat like a rich man. You, you should have your table full of, of, of good food. And the man looked at him and says, but I don't understand. I'm supposed to be humble and pious. He says, not you. Because when the, the poor person comes to you telling you that they're hungry, you're only going to give them money for bread and butter. Because in your reality, they don't need to eat anything else. But you don't know if this person wants to eat a piece of chicken. And he's dreaming about uh, 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 an artichoke. Or he's dreaming about a piece of meat. So you have to experience at your level these foods so you can become sensitive to other people's realities. Because if you live in such a way, that's your reality. So nobody needs anything else. So just as we cannot fit a large object into a small receptacle, we cannot fit anything into a vessel, a concept, a description, or a figment of our imagination that cannot be contained, uh, can't be contained in such a vessel. So these ideas expressed in the following Talmudic passage in which it says, all the prophets prophesied only regarding the days of the Messiah, but regarding the world to come, no eye has seen, O God, but you. And so it says that no prophet's eye has seen what God will, not, will do for those who wait for him. It can be seen by God's eye alone. Only Hashem knows. There's things in this world that really we have no idea about. We, we have no way of relating to them. Imagine COVID, a virus that is invisible, that nobody sees. I ask people that got sick, how did you get it? Who were you with? I have no idea, Mark. They say, I have no idea. I was wearing a mask. I washed my hands. I was taking care of myself. I have no idea. There's, so there's many things in the world that are invisible to our eyes that we cannot perceive, that we cannot see, but it doesn't mean they're not there. It doesn't mean they're not there. Imagine the next day you wake up feeling horrible and you say, oh, I got it, I got the virus, but you never saw it. So it does exist. So the Talmud then asks, what is that no eye has seen? And Rabbi Yehoshua eh, Ben Levi said, this refers to the wine preserved in its grapes since the six days of creation. And similarly, the Talmud states in Baba Batra that in the world to come, the righteous, the tzaddikim, will partake of the Leviathan's flesh. Both of these rewards for the righteous. 
the wine preserved in its grapes since the six days of creation, and the Leviathan preserved in salt by God even before the creation of man. So this Leviathan is an animal that God created, that was, there was one female and one male, and Hashem preserved them for the times of Messiah. We have no idea what a Leviathan is. Some people say it's the Loch Ness Monster, but it's not the Loch Ness Monster. It's, it's a type of animal that is huge and it's in the water and whatever, that's all we know, but nobody has ever seen a Leviathan. And Hashem preserved them because if they, he would allow them to live, the world would not exist. They would have eaten us all already. So they're preserved for the times of Mashiach. And these are things that have never existed in the realm of human experience. We have no idea what is a grave that is conserved since from the six days of creation. And we have no idea of knowing what this animal is. So the end of days is a period that no eye has seen. You know, and it's okay. We don't need to know everything. We, we know it's gonna be, but we don't know to know everything and it's okay. And it is beyond our per perceptual range. And so when we speak of the ultimate cats, of the ultimate end of days, we refer to what cannot be seen or understood. And when we speak of what will happen in the future, we can reach a certain point until we are stopped by, by a thick curtain. So there's things that can be seen by very special people. They are able to see to a certain point. But more than that, they're not allowed to go into that realm. Only Hashem's eyes can see. And so the, the, we see that um, in our generation, because there's many advances in technology, and there's things today that if your grandmother would come back from the grave, they would have never imagined in their whole life that you would have a phone with all these gadgets that the world is in your hands nowadays, you are open to the whole world. They would never in their world be able to imagine that such a thing would exist. Like sound waves 500 years ago, people couldn't even imagine that there would be a box, a radio that would transmit the voice of a person from one place of the world to the next place of the world. They, they would think it's a ghost. But these are advances in technology that transform the world that are actually part of the messianic um, uh, process. Uh, the more advancement in technology, the more, the closer we're getting to that time. Uh, Hashem is preparing us for all this that we're going to be able to, to experience that. We have no idea it can be possible, but for us to experience technology and advances of science and medicine, things that were impossible uh, years ago, and now people are living many, many years because of these special advancements, help us understand that there's a progress, that there's something that's moving forward and that it's taking us to the ultimate destination. But that to understand, to, to see it in, 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 the, in a futuristic way, we have no idea in 10 years, maybe we're gonna have cars that fly us around. We have no idea what's gonna be, but we know that it's possible. And that's, that's what's important, that everything is possible. So this also explains a passing Talmudic statement. Three come unawares, the Messiah, Moshiach, a found article and a scorpion. This is in Sanhedrin. So at first glance, this statement raises a question. What does it mean that Mashiach comes unawares? That, how can that be? We know that one of the 13 
fundamental attributes of faith is that we believe in Mashiach, Animami, we believe, we believe. It, is, it, it says that when a person goes from this world, passes away, one of the questions is, did you yearn for Mashiach? Did you wait for Mashiach? So we know Mashiach is a real is a reality for the Jewish people, the Jewish concept, and many other religions also believe in the in a, in, in, in a redemption, in a redemptor. So how can it say that we're unaware? After all, there are always Jews who pray for, talk about, and are concerned about themselves coming to fulfilling the, 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 the prophecy. We're all doing mitzvot all day, working, praying to the Jerusalem. We do all these things because we're waiting for Mashiach. So the answer is that the Mashiach come, whom everybody talks about and who's coming everyone prays for is not the Mashiach who is actually going to come. Like we have no idea who Mashiach is. People can say whatever they want. This religion believes this. This religion believes that. Uh, some people in the Jewish world believe this is Mashiach. Others believe this is Mashiach. But in reality, what Rabbi Steinsalz is saying is that it's, it's not known. We have no idea who he is. It's a secret. Hashem has kept it. We have no idea. And so it is inevitable when that the Messiah will come unawares because no one really knows what to expect. We don't know what to expect. You know, people think they know everything, but we have no idea. We know nothing. The more we know, the more we know that we don't know. So the inability to define certain things has ramifications be beyond esoteric discussions of the divine chariot at the end of days. The expression, the heart cannot re re reveal to the mouth. And uh, this is an Ecclesiastes. And it, it, this appears in connection with all sorts of subjects for not everything that a person thinks can be expre expressed clearly in words. And this also exists as much more complex and difficult situation when the heart cannot reveal to the heart. So it also happens that in your heart you know, you know in your heart, but you cannot reveal it to your heart. And so that is that the heart cannot reveal it even to himself. And these are difficulties that, that every person experiences. These are ex 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 existential um, uh, situations that every human being goes through. So the Talmud in Pesachim presents a list of things that are concealed from us. There's a big list of things that are concealed to us. One of them is the day that we die. We have no idea when we're gonna die. No person knows when he's gonna die. Uh, the day of consolation. We don't know the full death of justice. Uh, we don't know what another person has in his heart. We have no idea what another person is feeling. We really don't know. We think we know, but we don't know. I remember once a person uh, lost someone very dear to them and, and someone that had had a similar experience came to talk to this person and the person looked at her and said, but it's not the same. The person you lost and the person I lost, even though it looks the same, it's not the same because each person is a different world. Each relationship is a different relationship. Each person loves differently. So you cannot experience the same pain as someone else. You can relate to it. You can have empathy towards the person. You can have compassion. You can have a certain amount of 
pain that you have experienced that you can say, okay, I've experienced pain, I, I, I know what pain means, but in reality, each person experiences differently. And so we constantly try to solve the difficulty of communicating what is in our heart to the best of our ability. And since that is the only way that a person can have an impact on the world around him is communication. And we hope that the other person not only hears our words, but understands them. So we try, we try, you know, so many times you say something to somebody and you're trying to say it from the best, best intentions in your heart. But when it comes to the other person's ears, they hear something completely different and they react to you. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but you're saying something nice and the, the person barks back at you like they, they heard something nasty. And this happens, it happens a lot. So, so to be sure the content of a person's heart is difficult to formulate into words. We cannot transmit, you know, it says words from the heart enter the heart because when you talk from deep, deep within, then the other heart can resonate with it. But in reality, every person is a different world. I, I hope people could understand that every person is a different world. We're going today, actually when I'm filming this, is the 10th of Tevet, is the day in which Jerusalem was sieged by Nebuchadnezzar. It's the beginning of the destruction of our temples. A very sad day for the Jewish people. But at the same time, the lessons have to be learned. Like. The second temple was destroyed because there was baseless hatred. What is baseless hatred? Baseless hatred is that people cannot connect to another person's reality. That a person cannot understand why another person is feeling the way he's feeling. You know, you don't need to feel how the other person is feeling, but you could understand that a person has that feeling. And that's what's important. So, so we see that what remains is the responsibility to learn to sense, to have sensitivity. This is what we have to acquire, sensitivity, to have intuition that something exists that is beyond our comprehension, that we can, maybe a person acts in a certain way and we cannot understand why that person is behaving in such a way. We have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing. We're not them, we're not their brain cells, we're not their chemistry. We have no way of knowing, and, but we can come to reach a point where we have, in addition to the vague awareness that such a thing exists, that, okay, this person is acting in such a way because who knows what's going on within them. Something is going on within them. And, and we can come to the maturity to understand that there is more to explore on the other side, that there's much more than the I sees. There's much more. And so, our task in our life, our real purpose, our, what we should be doing really, is to develop our faith and awareness that beyond the place that I know lies a place that I don't know. I know what I know, but there's so much more I don't know. And if we can accomplish this task, we can truly claim to have experienced even that which no eye has seen. And um, it takes a lot of humility to get to that place, to really come and see a person and say, okay, I know what I know, but I don't know. I don't know everything. And, and my husband always says, when things don't make sense, you don't know the whole truth. And um, so may Mashiach come soon. May we be able to experience the end of days with joy. May we be able to experience that what we, 
No, but we don't know. And in good health and joy. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.